What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Modern Day Cyber Podcast. You got Philip here, your host, and we've got a uh, different podcast for you guys um, this time. Uh, we are circling back around to the uh, WPR and the WICO series that is being held up in here in the Wyoming and Montana areas. Um, if you guys remember a few podcasts back with uh, Pete Knipe, we had talked about the uh, WPR and the uh, different organization or different classes of ABC class. And, um, for the first couple of weeks that that got thrown in the dirt by, uh, uh, someone that, uh, has been in the community in a while, but, uh, quickly he, he turned over and was like, that's actually a pretty damn good idea. So, um, they had a very successful year and I'm excited to, uh, talk to these guys about that because if you guys listen to me talk about the competition side of long range shooting, um, the growth of the sport, I believe is, um, is done at the local levels. And I think these guys have really nailed that, um, here in Wyoming and Montana area. So I'm super excited to, um, talk to these guys and again, talk about the good and the bad and ugly. And again, I know getting into competition is super intimidating. You know, there's a lot of ego there. There's a lot of, um, well, I don't know what to expect, but uh, these guys have been running a fantastic show. I've, I've been seeing it all year in terms of um, the growth and just positive feedback from a bunch of shooters. Uh, so, you know, if, if you're listening and you're in the area, this is definitely where you should get your foot started, find a mentor and all that stuff. But we'll get into that in the podcast. But um, again, welcome, guys. I appreciate uh, you guys coming on tonight. Thanks for having us, Phil. Yeah, so let's uh, let's go ahead and just go around round robin and introduce yourselves and kind of uh, where you're at and uh, what you do for either WPR or uh, WICO. Hey guys, uh, I'm Luke Zaff, uh, southeastern Wyoming. I'm one half of uh, WICO PRL. We're located southeastern Wyoming, north central Colorado. I'm Jesse. I'm in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, I am the other half of the WICO series. Um, I think Luke already laid it out. We're just a small local league, uh, Wyoming, Colorado. And I'm Pete and I, I'm one half of WPR. Uh, Casey Ming and I, um, we are partnered on this. And we're, as Luke and Jesse both said, we're a small, we're also a small local league. We, um, I think we, we sanctioned 25 matches last year, 25 one-day matches last year, and hope to grow from there. Focusing our efforts on the uh, on the one-day um, grassroots type of events. Uh, Casey Ming, I'm in Bozeman, Montana, and I am Peter's yes man uh, with WPR. <laughs> Casey, Casey is the bones of this operation. I stand on things and yell at people. If there's work to be done, Casey's the one doing it. I don't know about that, but thanks for the shout out. This actually works out because like the way my screen is set, like I've got Wyco uh, on my right side and then WPR on my left. So it, you know, it's not like you guys are zigzagged. So I know who I'm talking to in terms of uh, organizations, but um, so let's start with uh, the WPR. Cause that's essentially um, what we initially had a podcast on with Pete and um, eventually, I mean, immediately right after that podcast, I think you and I had talked about um, uh, WICO uh, PRL that uh, uh, Lucas uh, and Jesse were doing down in the Southeast. Cause again, 
if anyone's ever been to Wyoming, there's not shit in like central Wyoming. It's just literally nothing. So that drive from Cody to like Laramie Cheyenne is six to eight hours. Am I got that right? And yeah, so it's, it's, it, it's, it's kind of tough, you know, especially if you're in the, in the Cody area to, to stomach that drive just for one day when you could potentially just go to a national level match. And so this, I, I would say that that's the reason for the different kind of organizations, but I, I would say it, it falls, would you say it falls under the same umbrella of like being a uh, sister organization? Sister organization to, uh, I don't know, Wyoming, just, just Wyoming or the Pacific North or the Rocky mountain league. Geographically, it makes sense to have the two, like you said, with the, the, the black hole that is central Wyoming. Um, and then what Pete's got up there, there's that two, three hour radius for all of his matches. And we have the same down here all the way down to Colorado Springs, Laramie, Cheyenne, um, out in the Pawnee grasslands. Those guys are all two, two and a half hours. And those radiuses, they don't really overlap, but they cover everybody. I think from, like I said, Colorado Springs to middle of Montana. So it does make sense to have them have two. And it's great that we are so similar, I guess, so we can work together. Yeah, we really, I mean, you guys were great. So after the initial podcast, um, you actually put me in touch, Philip, with Sam Carlson, who is one of the match directors for the WICO series and uh he passed me off to luke and jesse but honestly we we spent the time that needed to be spent right up front to kind of become similar and they really we weren't that far apart i mean it was it was amazing how these two things developed in parallel simultaneously and we were we were a couple of small details from being identical right out of the gate um you know and we so we visited back and forth a bunch to try to there was the there was the thought that you know at some point there would be a uh, an intramural an opportunity to to compete intramurally between small leagues and so that the, if there was a similar rule set across the board that everybody would be on a level playing field uh, so we did that and then we you know there was a lot of discussion on why why things were set up the way they were and the, the class systems and so on and um, I know Jesse put in a ton of time on um, the the data, the analytics to figure out where those class breaks should take place, and he had, he he did the the legwork on that, and then we basically took what he knew already for their region and started pulling scores from one day matches in our region, and applied his his analytics to the same thing and looked at it and said, okay, well that that works for us too. You know, it, it, shooters are shooters, and apparently it's it's fairly universal. So. Let's re let's revisit the the um, the classification system. So it was A, B, and C, and you guys stuck to that all year, right? Yeah. Um, and how does that how does that how does that break down? Um, so actually, I'm looking at the results from the season, um, and it, it really doesn't surprise me right now what I'm looking at. But um, we've got we're within three shooters of having our our classes be segmented um exactly in thirds okay um 
And that was the goal, no, right? What was it? What well, was the percentage? We, yeah, we didn't want to have. We didn't want to be super top heavy with A shooters, or have a have a B class that was so broad that you know there were very few other people in the other, very few shooters in the other classes. Um, I was just going to pull up the the rules so I don't um, so I don't get it wrong here um, to where the class breaks are. Yeah, I did it, and I don't remember what they are. Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> So, um, so the, the breaks are at Casey, do you have it in front of you? I do. Uh, the break for class C, um, is 55%. And then the break, uh, for B is 80%. Okay. So, so, uh, C class is 55% of the actual winner. Yep. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. And then B class ends at 80 80 and above is A class. Everything between 55 and 80 is, is B class. Honestly, I like that. I, when you when you look at, you know, a national level match, typically, you know, the top, the guys that are able to win the match, right? When you go to, let's say, out of 100 shooters, and I see 20 of the top 20 there, any of those top 20 shooters can win the match, right? And, you know, there's there's a bunch of things that, that – uh, obviously contribute to winning, but then they typically that 20th shooter usually will shoot an 80% of the winner. And then below like say 21st, that's where that mid pack comes in. Right. And it would be considered your guys's B class. Am I, am I getting that right? And then, you know, your 55% and below your C class are essentially your, your guys that are super new to the sport guys that are just getting their feet wet. Um, maybe have a, a general idea of uh, long range shooting, but, you know, again, just getting their feet wet with, uh, with the sport and, and um, enjoying it, you know, um, not competing against anyone else, but themselves and, and just trying to get better. Would you say that was the, the typ typical demographic for, for a, B and C class? Yeah. And I don't know, we had, a, there was a lot of discussion between all of us about the fact that, you know, it takes a, it takes a certain amount of, um, it takes a certain amount of assets to get to an upper level, you know, you got, and that's not just money, that's time as well. And not everybody's in a position to be able to do that. You know, this is a hobby for nine tenths of the guys that are involved with this, you know, probably more than nine tenths. And so to be able to, to kind of compare themselves to other shooters that were in their, their similar bracket of talent and bracket of, of uh expendable income you know let, let's let's face it the more money you spend the more the better chance you got you know not to say that you don't have to put the time in but you know there's you can't time is money as well yeah so my question to uh, both organizations um before you guys started doing this because i know you guys probably had already a local crowd that you guys were you know coming every month um how many shooters prior to wpr and prior to Wyco PRL that you guys were seeing on average a match. And then by the end of the season, how many shooters were you seeing per match? I can tell you that we have four venues. Uh, Wyco has got four venues and all four of those venues had their biggest day with Wyco. We were seeing uh, Laramie probably had the biggest turnout on average before, you know, in that 35 range on the average. Uh, Nick Depperschmidt's Colorado Springs match, he's always hovering above 40. 
Um, but we were able to get uh, close to 60 at some of those. So it's definitely picked up. And you see guys that you don't see regularly. Even if all the guys who normally shoot at a venue show up, the number might be high. But after these leagues, you see guys from that are traveling trying to get points for their season. So say the guys from Nebraska show up down to the Springs. They don't show up down there usually. But when they're traveling to get points or headed to Montana – out of why you know Casper to get points for WPR that kind of thing. How about you, Pete? What did uh, what did uh, WPR see? Um, I think it varied by venue. We had some venues who had previously not been um, regulars. We so I think we ended up with eight venues for the season. Cody's pretty well established. We've, there's been matches here for five years, so our our attendance is kind of leveled. Um, we see. Um, we see that 50 to 60 head count there almost every match. Um, but then we have, we have venues like Ronan and uh, Poplar where, you know, last year they were, they were a five, six person venue. And this year they, some of those matches had as many as 30. Um, so just being associated with it and getting the word out there, you know, guys would travel to go over to Ronan or go over to Poplar because it was a league match and they'd never shot the venue before. And they had a chance to, you know, kill two birds with one stone, shoot a new venue, but then also participate in the league as a whole. Um, it, it did drive registration to some of those smaller venues. So, and hopefully that'll encourage them to continue to post matches because it's a lot of work. I think something that contributed to that also uh, was the idea um, we kind of ripped it off from Wyco, but, um, you know, ha- forcing the shooters to shoot at more than one venue, um, I feel helped attendance also. Yeah, that was one of those uh, those rules that initially I don't think people liked, but by the end of the year, I, I think everyone understood why we did it. Because you, you do have those guys that kind of just hang out in one spot. And sure, they can shoot really well somewhere, but they go somewhere else, and it's like, oh man, this is hard. To me, it's hard. that one's kind of my, you know, that one's important to me. A lot of it is because it drives, you know, fellowship and community, and you get to see people that you don't see uh, normally. And we've had lots of guys bump into each other, get squatted together um, that don't, didn't know each other before. And I think driving the community and driving um, sharing of ideas and all that is, is the biggest benefit to me that, and, you know, if you hang out with Cody every weekend, you probably know how to shoot the mover. <laughs> <laughs> well, Philip got outed on Facebook today. Cause I, I saw that he was, what's your wind call. And somebody who shoots that venue look, knew what the wind call was because it knew exactly what the target was. And, you know, took one look at it and said, ah, six tenths, right. Son of a bitch. You cheated. <laughs> that was actually Chris Davis. Yeah. I saw that. Um, so I, I'm glad you brought up community Luke. And I, and I think that was one of the things that resonated me with the first podcast. And, and just since I've been to Cody, what Pete has been trying to develop here uh, in the area um, is, is building a community of, you know, not even just shooters, you know, cause, um, one thing that I love about, we have practice every Wednesday, uh, you know, if we can, uh, we'll all go out to dinner 
and uh, we'll just, you know, shoot the shit. Um, it, it's not even about shoot. It's not even about shooting related stuff. It's about, you know, things that, you know, um, that we've got coming up, uh, life stuff. And then obviously, uh, hunting stuff because it's hunting season, but that's one of the things that I, um, definitely enjoy about what you guys have going on is cause you guys are truly building a community at the, at the local level. Um, another question that I have kind of spurring in the back of my head, especially with the growth of your guys's sport, because people that are listening to this are going to want to get into it. And the next question they're going to ask is like, okay, what do I need to compete? So what was, if you guys were able to, you know, look throughout the crowd, who your new shooters were, what kind of rifles were you guys seeing at first with some of the new, some of the newer shooters? Some of them, no rifle at all. You show up at Cheyenne and Sam Carlson's got a rig with ammo sitting there ready to go, doped out. You can just show up and shoot. We haven't been quite as, uh, well, I shouldn't say, we've been very fortunate. We don't have a loaner rifle, but we there's always somebody with an extra gun around. Like yeah. if somebody shows up and they want to shoot, there's probably a way to get them through the match. Yeah. You know, somebody will run home and get it. But as far as what they show up with, um, guy runs a gamut. You know, you see guys showing up at factory Tikas and factory Remington 700 SD, SPSs and, uh, you know, lower end scopes. But you also see guys who kind of leered in the background for maybe a couple of years and they did their research and they know what was popular. They don't necessarily know what they're going to end up with, but they drop the money on a, on a full-blown custom rig and then they come out and shoot. And then they figure out that actually uh, Mark Bowman, you, you you know him, Mark kind of, Mark showed up with a gas gun for two practices and then went full on MPA um, factory rifle, you know, or production rifle, I should say. Didn't, didn't take him maybe three weeks and he was down the rabbit hole with the rest of us. So it kind of, it does run the gamut. Uh, someone was running a 30 out six uh, for the Heart Mountain match, Tom. That was Tom Rowland, yeah, 30 out six. And I don't, I don't, he got he was stroked a- twice. But he was hitting shit at, oh, yeah. you know. By the end of the weekend, he was hitting shit. Yeah. He, uh, we figured he shot 95 rounds of 30-06 without a break in two days. But but then immediately after that, he's been contacting you and I about building yeah. a, a rifle specific yeah, to this sport. And and what, um, what I found out here, I'm surprised actually, is that there's not because I mean, Wyoming is known for, uh, the hunt. I mean, it's literally God's land for hunting. Right. So you would assume that there are more, um, active participants in long range shooting, but there's not, would you guys agree? Well, would, you, would you guys agree with that statement? There's, there's less people doing everything in Wyoming. Period. That's, that's true. Driving, living, walking, we just have less people. That's yeah. Touche. <laughs> is there a oh, uh, is, is is there a local organization not not like local to to this, but um, uh, another local area that is doing kind of the same thing that you guys look up to in terms of how they're uh, they're broken down and what kind of turnout they have. Not that I've seen you, Luke, Jesse. No, uh, no, I think that's why this, this came about is because we were, we, we were like, where is that? Where is this at? There wasn't anything. There was 
you know, scattered matches here and there. And uh, honestly, what drove it was, you know, me and Jesse or whoever on the way home from a match. And like, okay, that was great. But, you know, there's no, it doesn't go towards anything. We tried, uh, we tried betting. We tried doing, you know, a dollar point or whatever, like pick up, like pick up games, doing some golf or whatnot. But um, match gets over and everybody just blows out. And then uh, <laughs> the way I got paid. So we got to make them sign up and track the points. <laughs> Well, and, and apparently, apparently people are paying attention because I'm sure you guys are having the same experience we are. And that's, you're getting people outside of the region or outside of whatever the matches have been for this, for this past year, reaching out and saying, how can we get involved? You know, can we, can we be part of this? Can we, can we start our own? You know, the questions are getting asked. People like what they see. Shooters like what they see. You know, we talked about the guys in Utah kind of standing up something similar already and they've got other options. Yeah. I'd say the, the, the bigs, you know, you want to call the other, the, the two other leagues, you know, national level leagues, you know, the bigs have their local regional, whatever you want to call it uh, stuff. But honestly, that, that felt a little outside of where, where we're at outside of what's doable for most guys. If you want to shoot a regional match in, um, and live in Guernsey, Wyoming, you know, you're driving to Utah, New Mexico. Uh, it's pretty spread out. And a lot of the guys that we would see at these matches, you know, if they made it, um, if they made one, two day match, you know, that'd be their, their big match for the year. And they sure aren't going to make it to, you know, four or five, regional matches that are six plus hours away. So with that void kind of is where it spurred the idea, you know, let's bring it in a little tighter. Let's do something a little more truly local. And so I think we kind of took that idea of we want to compete in a circuit, but this circuit needs to be a little more localized to where we are. For, for reference, Luke, when Philip mentioned that large, vast area in the center of the state that doesn't have anything in it, where is Guernsey in relation to that? <laughs> Guernsey is Guernsey's about 100 miles north of Cheyenne. So right in the fucking middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I circle back to what uh, Luke said in, in, in a little bit um, about, you know, uh, creating that circuit and then, um, the other bigger organizations. Cause I, I, I definitely am going to leave you guys with something uh, toward the end of the podcast, but uh, you know, I, I want to ask your guys' opinions because obviously a lot of your guys is local, uh, the people that competed this year and people that are looking to compete. Um, let's talk about the good and the bad and the ugly uh, in terms of like how this year went, um, how you guys anticipated it going. And then, you know, what were some of the uh, things that kind of you're like, uh, we didn't, you know, um, you know, we could just, you guys can just improve on something, you know, because it, it didn't sit right with maybe some of your, um, uh, competitors. And what's, what, uh, uh, talk about some of the things that went really well, you know, whether it be, uh, match attendance or, you know, um, creating a brand, right. Uh, I would say that's, a, that's a big thing. Like ever since, uh, Rex created that logo for you guys. I mean, I see it everywhere now. 
freaking hats, hoodies, um, not even just at uh, the local level matches, but he, I, I was uh, seeing it at a national level match that I've uh, attended. Yeah, we've had, we've had really good recognition with that. Um, that was probably one of the things that went, went the best for us with WPR was uh, the, the brand recognition. Um, as far as things that the, the bad or the ugly, um, I'm not sure that we were fully prepared for how quickly it was going to grow. Um, we got, I don't, we didn't necessarily get overwhelmed, but we had our hands full for a period of months there where there was a match every single weekend at one of the venues all summer long. And there was, you know, the social media presence and trying to make sure that we were as a league trying to help promote each one of those matches individually and get them some time, some exposure, drive their attendance. Um, we didn't, we didn't go down heavily the, the sponsorship road, you know, that's kind of up to each of the match directors. And honestly, it wasn't the purpose of the league anyway. Um, you know, Luke alluded to that earlier about, you know, the community aspect and just bringing, bringing guys together. Um, you know, to, to continue to drive that. Um, we, it was, it was everything we could do to make sure we were doing justice to every, all the matches all summer long. So, but that ties right into the, the good. And that's the fact that we had outstanding attendance. We had great participation. We, we went from, we went from standing this up in February to just over 200 members at the close of the season and uh, 25 scored matches. Um, I think, I think we had, right. It's, I think we had 70 scored shooters for the finale. So you know, it, was, it was, and honestly that eclipses some of the two day national level stuff that's within four to six hours of where we live. And we had better attendance. And those are, that's 70 paid slots. There were no sponsored shooters. You know, 70, 70 shooters showed up and paid their fee to get in and shoot that match, which I know for a fact is more than most of these matches are bringing in. So, and I think probably Luke and Jesse, you guys saw something so pretty similar for years, huh? Yeah. I mean, you got guys driving four or five hours um, who you wouldn't think you'd even have seen show up, but they heard about it in, you know, Nebraska and decided to come, come play. Um yeah, you should see it all over. It, uh, so, something that maybe didn't go so good. It, it's good and bad. Uh, our class system was something we wanted to try to do to help guys compete against like shooters. Uh, I think some of the other uh, bigger leagues have put names on certain brackets of shooters to maybe do the same thing. And you see a guy shooting really well, and he's getting better, and he's B class, and then by – three-tenths of a percent, he puts himself into A-class. He just went from, you know, winning a, a badass knife or a trophy to now you're at the bottom of A, and that, that's hard for that guy, you know? You're like, damn, dude, I, I really wanted to see you. You had it, and then you just shot yourself right through B-class, and now you're at the bottom of A, and that's bittersweet, you know, because dude's getting better, but at the same time, now you're starting all over. Um, that's kind of rough. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I, I, I could, I could definitely, definitely see that being a little frustration. Um, like you said, bittersweet. It's like a double-edged sword, you know, it's like, Hey, he's, you're progressively getting better, but you just shot yourself out of your own, you know, the class that you 
you know, wanted to actively, you know, potentially participate in, but then, and hopefully it drives that shooter to is like, all right, well, I was able to push through my threshold of B class, you know, now, you know, what's it take to get to the next level of, of a class. Um, and remind me if, if you shot a class one time, does that automatically keep you in a class or do you have to do it consistently? For us, it was consistently, you had to shoot two consecutive scores, not just, I mean, if you shoot, if you shot into from C into B and then the following match, you shot C and maybe then shot C again and shot another B class score at your fourth one that didn't bump you up. You had to shoot B class twice consecutively in order to get bumped to demonstrate that consistency. Yeah. There's the, the inverse of going back to the bad of the, uh, the guy that's at the top of B class it may not want to shoot another match because he's going to class up. He knows he can. I mean, I'm not saying that happened. I'm just saying (laughs) that there, there might be some cases where you look at it and you're like, I wonder if they're not shooting this or if they showed up with their two, two, three, because they know, you know what I mean? It's like, they, they got into B, they had a good match, maybe won a match. That puts them at the top of that class. And then they they don't want to shoot in an uh, they don't want to shoot in an A percentage for another match or else they'll class up. So that is probably one of the bad sides of our class system. And you know, it, maybe it's something we can fix or find a way around it. You know, an idea that I thought was maybe instead of using consecutive, use uh, a rolling average instead. It would make it, you know, I have to play around with it to see how that changes things, but I think it would make it harder to sandbag your way out of classing up. Overall, would you guys say that the class system, I mean, I think it's the biggest Thing, new thing that we've brought to the front is is important to put guys yeah. in in a division. I would just I I, I want to do it again next year. Peace. Yeah. Yeah. Same. So my 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 question to you guys is is the the people that won after your guys' finale, the people that won A, B, and C class were they respective to that class? Meaning, like there wasn't a, a an A class shooter that happened to find his way in a B class and win it, right? Um, like is every class winner for the, you guys' season finale, like, were they, you, do they belong there? Well, we didn't have, um, we weren't able to, like, if, if you were the AB class shooter when you went into the finale, you were only eligible to take a trophy for B class. Now, the match as a whole had separate prizes or separate um, awards. Yeah you could place within the, that single match in whatever position you finished in. in fact we had it happen um one of our bet well the guy that took top b class also won the match well that's what I'm, that's what i'm saying so like b class for the overall f- season right was that was, yeah. is is he a b class shooter is what I'm, what I'm what i'm saying right yeah and he may not be for very much longer but he yeah. was when he came in okay you know and, and looking at his scores i mean he he landed where he where he should yeah. land and then c class What's that? In the C class, did you guys have a C class overall winner? Yeah, I was gonna pull that up real quick and um, 
Yeah, and actually, so looking at who won C-Class, he actually shot, he won C-Class several times throughout the year. I mean, he shot at the top of his class, um, didn't class up, and and uh, he basically landed where he belonged. Um, top B class, top B class. I'm just looking like at the top three or four in each class right now. And uh, I really don't see any surprises. The guys that put in the time and the effort landed where the time and the effort should have landed them. Yeah, that's good. And, and playing devil's advocate, right? Let's, yeah. let's say big, big organization. You've got that TAC class, right? You've got guys that are like literally professional level competitors, but they're like, right. like always floating in that, like, you know, high mid pack area. And they're like, man, I can never win a trophy. So I'm just going to start shooting TAC class next year and just, just like sweeping it. Right. I mean, he has right. no right to be in TAC class, but he's just doing it because he can. And, and I guess that, that's what I'm saying. Like, do you, do you feel like that, that was the case this year for, for your guys's uh, leagues? I don't know that I saw that level of gaming going on. I mean, to be truthful, everything that I ever saw was people shooting their hearts out. Like they're, they're shooting for the top of whatever, you know, to, to have their best day they've ever had on a rifle range, you know, as we get deeper into this, you know, will you see the potential for guys sandbagging, trying to maintain a class? I mean, Jesse kind of said something about that. And I'm sure that potential exists. Um, and it's something we're going to have to take a look at. I know I'm interested to hear what Jesse um, comes up with, because I know he's, he's crunched a bunch of numbers on this all along. And he's been, he's been the driving force behind several of the decisions we've made as well, because he's, he's a, you know, he, he understands that side of it way better than I do. So we may, we may need to look at it going forward. I don't know. No, I, I like you, I said, everybody, I saw everybody just trying to shoot as best as they could. I mean, I got guys calling me up. I got a little range at the house. Um, we had a guy go from, I guess, you know, Savage 6.5 Creed to full on, uh, got himself, he could, something he could screw his own barrel on in my, in my shop. And by the end of the year, he's shooting a full custom gun and, uh, placed second at a, at, at a pretty highly competitive local one day. And, you know, they're calling me up to run their rifles out before the match on Saturday, because they want to make sure they're everything lined up. Everybody was trying to shoot as good as they could. I didn't see anybody. There wasn't really, it was, I guess in, in it's, uh, it's still pure, I guess, if that makes sense. It's everybody yeah. trying to shoot as good as they can and hit, hit as much steel as they can. Absolutely. I, I would, we actually had, so I know you, keep, Blake you keep putting up badass trophies like that though, uh, Pete, and people are be gaming it in no time. <laughs> That's uh, I got to lay that at Trevor's feet. He did a pretty incredible job with all that. He, when we approached him about hosting the finale in Billings and, and it was more based on um, geographic location and we wanted it accessible to everybody in the region. Um, I don't know that I knew how much effort he was going to put into it, but he really kind of knocked it out of the park for us. So we got to really give him props because he did, he worked extremely hard to put that match together. Back, going back to 
you said, or maybe Jesse had said something. Um, Blake Wood was one of the one of the shooters I noticed that he classed up. He shot C early in the season quite a bit, and he ended up in B class. And and talking to his dad, and um, he was thrilled. You know, he's at the bottom of E class. He's in fifteenth. Um, he couldn't have been happier. He was a B class shooter now instead of a C class shooter. You know, I just that made his day, even though. You know, the points difference between where he was and where he is is only just a few points. You know, he was thrilled to be able to move up to the next class. So I, I and you know, he's he's a young young man, but hopefully you see that same type of enthusiasm through all the shooters being able to move from class to class. And you know, going from B to A, yeah, you're not you're no longer eligible for the B class trophy, but you're also not a B shooter anymore. You're playing with the top level guys. Yeah, we're we're not really seeing an issue with it yet. Like like these guys are already saying, it's so new that it hasn't caught on enough for people to start gaming it. It's right. just you know when we were talking about the good, bad, the ugly, I'm just saying, well, there's there is a potential issue with our system. I'll admit that, but I, I feel like it's something that's probably easy, easily solvable. And, we'll we'll discuss it and figure it out yeah well i think it's been inevitable that we were going to see holes in the, in the model you know i'm just i'm thankful we're, we're still cognizant of it yeah I, I don't think you i don't think you guys are in your heads not trying to create a perfect system you guys are trying to create again a, a system that works for your shooters right and, and you that's what I've I've noticed for you guys is that you guys have your shooters in mind, not not your pockets. Let's be honest, right? You have you building a community uh, in your area of uh, trying to so get I, people I out just, to shoot. I don't want to interrupt, but when you said not your pockets, and I looked at the facial expressions that came up on this conversation right now, every one of us was thinking the same thing. Like we had our pockets, and we wouldn't be fucking doing this because <laughs> it would be cheaper for everybody. It, it would. Oh yeah. I mean, there's no <laughs> uh, Casey, and, and if I could see Casey's face, he'd be in the same way. You know, everybody took money out of their own pockets to make yeah. this come. Yes. And none of us have gotten that back, oh. and we won't. And you know, and you, and you don't, you don't expect to. That's the, that's, no. I think that's the, that's the biggest difference, right? Um, if it happens, it happens. But I think. It, you guys are are so pure as a organization at organizations that again you guys are looking at the uh, the um, growth of the sport and again you know that's where I started right at the local level um, with you know we had a range in California that was at three three hundred yards I'd shoot every month and I mean before all these big organizations really took off and then you had matches now I mean you got matches every freaking weekend right. Um, I was just talking about this with one of my mentors, um, is we would have a match that we would look forward to going to, and then we'd practice for that match, you know, with local practices and stuff like that, not local matches. It would be a practice to get ready for that national match. But now I'm not saying it's oversaturated. It's just good for the growth of the sport. Um, but that's how, you know, someone that's maybe looking to, uh, get to the national level, right? That's how they start. It's the, the grassroots of, of the local. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you guys have seen, uh, and you guys are probably national level competitors yourself. You guys have seen 
you know, you guys are essentially feeding toward that national level competitor. I got a great example. Um, we've got a handful of guys that are headed down to the PRS finale this year that started at the same matches that we have as part of WICO, you know, uh, not this last season, but 2020, a uh, guy showed up and he's like, am I doing this right? And you're like, yeah, dude, you're going to be just fine. Stay after it. Next thing you know, he's kicking my ass and you know, he's top 100 in the PRS right now going down there trying to you know do some things. And along with a handful of other of those guys that are headed down there, that all started right here, you know, guys, some guys, they show up and they want to shoot good and they want to go home. And, um, and that's the, that's what they're there for. And some guys, they get a foothold here and they're like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go give it a shot, you know, at the, at the two day stuff. Luke, you and I talked about a shooter that, that you had come into your league this year. He was super competitive, but he, you know, he's really getting into it and kind of, I think had his doubts about the level of competition he was going to see at these matches. Yeah. He thought he was coming to the FUD show. <laughs> How did, did he win that match? He's wait, coming to the FUD show. Is that what yeah. you said? No, I, I talked to buddy into coming down. Like you got, let's, let's come shoot this match, a Spyco match. And I think that's what he, he didn't say it, but I think that's what he thought is that, you know, he was, he was going to the FUD show and I, um, he went and after he did not win uh, or get second, third, or actually he ended up in ninth. He's like, so I think I'm going to join this league next year. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and this guy, you know, he does, he's, he's had the time and opportunity to go around and hit, um, you know, eight or 10 national level matches. And uh, he's going to come play with us next year and do both. But I mean, the, the competition is there. We, Pete, you've talked about it before up in Cody. There's a bunch of guys that some do and some don't make it around to the two day stuff, but there's a lot of guys up there that can shoot. It's not the competition level isn't lacking. It's just some guys don't chase it like others. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. I mean, we've got, I'm sure you guys, if you look at your roster at any given match, you've got guys that are fully capable of being competitive top 10 or better at a national level match. It's not, you know, we're, we're bringing everything to the table except the cost. You know, we're giving the guys the opportunity to have a national level, um, net, you know, difficulty on it on par with a national level event. And you've got to be competitive to win. I mean, you can't just luck your way into it. In fact, you don't have day two to fix your fuck up. You screwed up on day one, you're done. You're no day two is for throwing it away anyway. What's that? Day two is for throwing it away. <laughs> Philip has something to say here. I can see it. I was going to say, that I'm glad you guys circled right back around to the competitive side, right? So let's look at, let's let's talk about your 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 competitors, your, your actual, like, you know, out of 50 shooters, let's say that, 20 of them, not necessarily the top 20, but 20 of the shooters are there. Like they, they've got a really competitive drive and they want to, they want to see what that next level is. But like Pete said earlier, they don't have the time or resources to be able to um, go to national level matches to, you know, 
uh, uh, participate in the points series, right. Uh, for some of these big leagues. And this is kind of where I was going to circle back around to that, uh, question, um, of, okay, well, what's next for your guys's local level competitors in terms of like getting them to the national level spot, um, without competing at a two day national event, because they, they, they just don't have the ability to, they have, they have the skill to compete, like hang with the best in the nation. They just don't have the time or resources or, or financial, uh, to do it. And so that's why my question is if you guys would be willing to entertain, um, you know, uh, let's say, uh, I'm not going to say the organization, but, uh, you know, they, they would essentially not sponsor, but bring you guys under their umbrella, right. To have them track specific scores of those that are willing to obviously pay for their membership. Uh, not everyone so that they could, potentially make it to the national level championship or a national level championship. I would submit that any, uh, any finale we do locally is as competitive or more so than any other national level championship. I would say if they want to come under our umbrella, they can give us a call. (laughs) Luke, I could not love you anymore right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I guess the competitive spirit goes deeper than behind the rifle. No, it's, it's uh, right. It's not about, um, you know, one league or the other, you know, WPR border roars, regional, whatever. It's about, um, it's about filling a niche. Our guys haven't done one thing because it doesn't work for them. And they're doing this because it does. Now, if there's a way to, uh, build a, a bridge to to get a guy who's trying to get into the pipeline and and um, earn his way into something. I mean, I I, I don't have any problem working with anybody, uh, but I I know that um, the way that Pete and Casey and myself and Jesse run things is it's definitely our guys are what drives the direction. We what we do, what they want to do or what's best for them or what works for our guys local. And we know all of them. I don't go to a match and not know or have seen or shot with or squatted with everybody who's a WICO member. Someday I might get a little bigger and I might not know all the WICO guys, but right now I do. So one of the things that I'd said to Pete about this or just an organization in general, if they wanted to take you, it's like, Hey, it, you need to take care of the match. And this is, I think, stemming from the problem of why you guys are again, by your, not by yourselves, but you guys had to do this, right. Um, is because you guys weren't take, being taken care of. The shooters weren't being taken care of, right. Everyone is coming up with false promises. And what I had told Pete is like, all right, if a big organization is able to take care of the match directors, right. The match directors will take care of the shooters. That's it. Yeah, I think the loyalty always lies to the shooter, though, because you can't. Um, that's how this all started. You know, I had this conversation with somebody earlier tonight about you know, the, the reason this came to pass in the beginning was because I went to match. We, I'm sure Luke and Jesse can, can agree, but 
um, I went to match after match after match. And, you know, after a while, you start collecting data points. You start hearing the same things from shooters over and over again, like what's missing? What would they rather see? And this is the product of that, of listening. And the organization needs to listen to the shooters, not the other way around. Yep. The MDs, throwing, throwing some love to the MDs is huge because, you know, that they put a lot of work out there. And we tell ours, it's your show. You know, we're here, we're riding your coattails as far as, mm-hmm. you know, they, yeah. they, they provide the venue. We provide the organization. Um, and we don't tell our MDs, um, how many rounds or what we want to see, or you have to have this kind of stage, you know, all, they're all kind of similar and like matches, you know, one's got pistol and the other three don't, but uh, it doesn't really matter uh, because that's how they want to run their match. Well, I think we've all kind of seen that too, where um, you, you don't see, you don't see any surprises, right? Every, we all know, which guys are kind of at the top of the heap as far as um, have, have the, you know, have the talent, have the time, have the money to get there. And regardless of what the match format is, you know, whether it has handgun in it, whether um, there's 80 rounds or a hundred rounds, or it's highly positional or feel, or, you know, mostly prone. If you just step back and watch all of a sudden you realize that the, you know, the, the top shooter is still shooting the best has very little to do with the format of the match. So then with that in mind, what's the point in dictating how something should be run? You know, variety, variety is definitely a bonus. You know, if you like to shoot at a particular venue because you like the venue or you like the format of the match director, then that makes it popular. The other thing, and we talked about this early in the year, is if a match director runs a poor match and isn't willing to take suggestion, that match will fizzle on its own. We don't have to tell him he's doing it wrong. Guys will just quit showing up. I agree with that. And, and that's, you know, coming from a national level competitor standpoint, that's what I see is like with the oversaturation of matches, I'm, I just want to go to quality matches um, who take the time to listen to feedback from other shooters uh, that look to improve, continue to improve not only their venue, but their, you know, the way they, they run their match. And like you said, they're, you know, the matches that, uh, don't run efficiently, they're going to fizzle out. Because um, it's going to be a headache for the guy running that too. He's not going to be satisfied if it's not successful. No, no. So what do you guys, what do you guys see yourself in 20, you know, not 2022, but let's say 2024, 2025, four years from now, four or five years from now, what do you, what do you guys want to see with WPR and, and uh, YCO PRL? I want to see uh, half a dozen other leagues just like us kind of running the same type of format with the class system. Never mind. I was, I thought I was dreaming too big and there you just spit it out. So I guess we're all on the same page. No, I, I think it's a great way to, to grow the sport. And if there was the way that the class thing works and Pete and I've talked about it, um, you want to have a real um, regional throwdown and have the Montana Northern Wyoming boys versus, you know, the, the uh, Northeastern Utah, Southeastern Wyoming. And they're all, you know, you bring, throw out a number, 
4A, 4B, and 4C class shooters and run a match uh, shooting like shooters against like shooters, where not only does the best of the best guys have to perform, but the guys that are, you know, C class, they have to perform too. And you throw a match like that, that, that could be a lot of fun. And I think with some more leagues, there's no reason why you couldn't have four or five more of these leagues uh, around the country. And you could. I, I think it's probably getting ready to happen. I mean, we've already had conversations, you and I both, Luke, with um, with MDs and other other areas outside of what we currently are, are covering. Um, and the interest is there. You know, people have seen the shoot, shooters have seen the fun we're having, essentially like man look at what these guys are doing you know and the attendance and the um the support that, that we get from the community honestly i mean look at look at the number of shooters that, that are showing up to these events time in you know something's being done right you know hopefully hopefully we stay, you know, connected and humble enough to, to keep our finger on what that pulse is and keep, keep maintaining and, and giving, giving that community what it is that they enjoy doing. Cause you know, we've all said this a number of times, it's the people, it's always been the people. If, if they, if I said 50 to 60 people show up and but you don't get to talk because it's, you know, don't get me wrong. We all, we all enjoy the, the challenge of a blind stage, but there's no bullshitting. No one gets to talk to each other. Just go shoot the match. It's a, it's a man against a target shooter against a target scenario. And the rest of the time, you know, all that other stuff is gone. It would die tomorrow. You know, the, the social aspect, the community aspect that, that both of the leagues have fostered this past year is the reason it's successful. Without it, it, it goes away. Without it, it turns into just another league. So, um, but Luke and I have also, you know, that, that conversation about kind of a grudge match where you you squad four, four, and four shooters from WICO and four, four, and four from each class, shooters from WPR, and then you four, four, and four from, let's say, a, a Utah, Nevada, area league and pretty soon you've got a b and c shooters and you know this is this is down the road several years maybe but you know you you basically have a squad of shooters from of all different classes and and now you can you can award class excuse me league awards or, or region awards so to speak because it's the responsibility of those A-class shooters to make sure their C-class and B-class shooters perform at their highest potential because they have the most experience, you know? And it, we've already got things like super squads floating around out there. You know, we've all seen that that actually does improve scores, but now what if you could take the community and actually put it to work? You know, your A, B, and C-class shooters on a single squad from a single region and they can work together. Everybody's, you know, everybody's sharing win calls already. You might as well get some good ones. So um, one thing that we had down in SoCal before I moved up to, to Wyoming. Um, so we, we had then uh, the Southwest region, we had like these different, again, or clubs or organizations. Um, so we had SoCal precision rifle team, Arizona, uh, New Mexico, uh, Sin City precision, uh, Utah. And then we had, 
uh, what we started doing was grudge matches in terms of, you know, those teams competing for one trophy, right. Um, for essentially just bragging rights for that specific region. Right. And so I think the very first one was, um, uh, Sin City hosted it. Um, and you essentially, you know, like, all right, you, when you signed up for the match, you identified, okay, I'm either with SoCal precision, Sin City precision, Arizona, New Mexico. Right. And then the top five scores would count toward, uh, the trophy, right. So the top five of each, of each team. And, and then that's how we essentially started creating grudge matches down there. And I, and I, and I feel like you guys could do that up here too. Easily. And even a traveling trophy, you know, mm-hmm. something where that, that's exactly what it was. Anything. That's yeah. exactly what it was. Yep. And then, you know, a, a year from, from that match, we had another one, uh, in a, in a different, uh, SoCal actually won the first one. And then, um, I think Arizona won the second one, you know, and so it was a traveling trophy. And that was one thing that as a community in, in our respective group that we look forward to competing with, you know, and it actually pulls people together and with a common, you know, shooters from multiple classes to be able to, this is, this is our end game, you know, and it also fosters, you know, the sportsmanship and the, and the community aspect of it too. Cause now even throughout the season, the a shooter, a shooters are looking at this, this like, well, potentially we've got that trophy coming up, right? That traveling trophy, which one of these A's and B shooters need my help so that when we do go to the finale and go after that trophy, you know, so this, this affects the entire season, not just that match. It affects the entire, the entire season being able to, you know, get guys helping get shooters talking and, conversing and learning from each other and, you know, build building that community even stronger. So this has been a week for uh, gauntlets being thrown down. So I'll <laughs> throw, a, I'll throw one down. So oh, I can't wait. <laughs> 2022. Oh, we're going to do it. Yeah. Neutral, okay. neutral venue, middle of the state, Wyco PRL cage match. Cage match. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to, is there, we're going to have this on Guernsey? Uh, hey, we'll, wherever you, we'll let, uh, we'll let somebody come up with a good venue. We'll, we'll do it. Wyco and uh, WPR. Yeah. See, there um, you go. I think, I think it'd be huge. I think the guy, I think all the shooters would, I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't think it's gimmicky at all. I think it really, uh, it really plays to everything we started this based on and furthers that. You know, if we're, we talked about it earlier this year and just timing and, and there was a lot going on for you and us both, um, you know, it didn't work out this year, but I, I, it still holds water as far as I'm concerned. I think it does. I think we might be ahead of it enough now. We could probably, yeah, make it. We, we both didn't know how quick this was going to come and how fast it was going to grow. And, and that's a good thing, um, but it sure wasn't going to allow for any sort of, uh, you know, uh, intramural or, or you know, any traveling so that's a good thing and a bad thing but i think we could do it um, and i think that could be your guys's big match for the year right is is like a grudge match between right. wpr wyco that's you know maybe even two days long that like your members are looking forward to competing every there year it with. goes with the two-day stuff again or one day, two day. Bring, bring, bring your A game. Hey, I like two days. Good you know? on one day. Don't get to make it up. 
uh, <laughs> one of the things that we completely skipped over again for just just uh, thinking about my our audience here um, of people that are like listening to this and like you know because just over the last couple of days I've just gotten a lot of guys that are getting it in the long range and um, I'm, I know there's a lot of people that are curious to hear about the format like how uh, like what to expect for one of your guys's matches um, what kind of gear to bring um, how long the stages are, what to expect for each stage and, you know, what you recommend, um, in terms of, uh, cartridge wise, especially if they are looking to get into this sport, you know, what cartridge you guys are recommending. Short action and, uh, have your dope. I mean, I I've seen guys show up to our matches with, you know, a, literally a, a nine, nine, 10, 11 pound 308 and have tur target turret scope and they get thrown around, but they can do it. And if they know their drops, they are going to hit plates. So yeah. don't get wrapped around the axle about having a, you know, gamer gun or anything. So bring something that, you know, with a good zero and some dope for a gun as far as support gear. I yeah. It's already all there, right? Everybody's already got it all. Contact us. Like Luke was saying before, I mean, we have rifles you can use. One of us, I mean, generally speaking, either Luke or I are at one of these matches. You know, we can bring stuff. We can get you hooked up with someone who can loan you something. I mean, if you want to try it, I mean, there's nothing stopping you. Or at least there shouldn't be. I mean, we got we got Camp Guernsey right here. A bunch of Air Force guys. They run a sniper uh, class here, a short class. And I have guys at the match with a green sock with sand in it, and they won't take my game changer. It works. They they run it. Got the little knot in it and the whole thing. Like it it does. You don't have to have any of the you know new stuff to do it. Don't bang on the Woolrich sock full of rocks. We've talked about this before. <laughs> I'm they're at every single match. Everyone. Oh yeah. So how's the, how, how are the layouts of the match? Um, part-times, uh, like give me a course of fire description. Cody tends to be you know, eight stages, very, very positional, um, roughly 80 rounds, 80, 85 rounds, you know, 10 round stages, two and a half minutes is part-times. Um, I do that because, it doesn't matter if you give them 90 seconds or five minutes, the guys who shoot better still shoot better. You're not going to get a bottom of the pack shooter win the match because you gave him more time. Um, and so because we're trying to foster a community and bring new people in and develop a skill set, you know, giving them ample time to fail by missing versus fail by timing out. We'll get to that, you know. It needs they need to have enough time to get at least half of their rounds off in order to, to have that portion of the experience as well. I did some 90 second and two minute stages several years back, and you know, you can tell like 80% of the field times out, which the attitude when they come off the attitude of a shooter that comes off the line having missed 80% of the targets. Versus the attitude of a shooter comes off the line having not engaged 80% of the targets is totally different. You know, they need to get the opportunity to shoot. And so the, the part-times are a little, 
a little longer uh, at the Cody events for that reason. We've seen some 75 round days. We're trying to keep it a little lower bullets and powder kind of a thing right now. So, uh, target, target, what, uh, what are your, what are your guys' target, uh, average target distances? Uh, oh, I think, I think all of our ranges have, do we, we have a, we have one range. Everything goes out to a thousand except for Laramie goes out to 800. Yeah, Tommy's got one target at like 1440. I would say the average though is still like 450-ish yards. I think I did the math on our matches, Peter, and we're we're like 525, 550, somewhere in there. Our average. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we've got one or two venues that have targets at 1,400 to a mile. Cody the finale Cody. had an 1,800-yard target. Yeah. I was going to say that must not include anything that Pete runs because if you can put a target on the mountain, it's going up there. <laughs> yeah, In my defense, I didn't put that target there. Someone else did. But uh, I've played starting at 1885. 1690. <laughs> Whatever. Potato radish, right? <laughs> so, so, I'm curious. I actually want you guys' legitimate feedback on that stage because I'll tell you what my reasoning was. No one's going to win the match on that stage, right? It's one stage, it's a bunch of long targets, but there's there's like one or maybe two other venues in the country that have that kind of distance. And so I put, that was my reasoning. It's like, who gets, who gets to take a poke at a target past 2K at a match? Very rarely. Night Force ELR is the only one that comes to mind. I started the match on that stage, Peter, and it set the tone for me for the rest of your match. <laughs> hey, hey, you're supposed to be on my team, asshole. <laughs> I, th I think I saw my first shot hit the dirt, and that was it. Did all the rest of them hit the dirt, too? Uh, somewhere. I don't know where. <laughs> uh -huh. What's good about you guys up here is that you guys still have variety with, with a, a X amount of venues you guys do have. You guys have, you know, a, a nice variety of different venues, right? Um, that, again, I still believe is better than what you see uh, at a national level. Um, you know, I've, I've traveled all across the nation shooting competitively. And again, I'm, I can be biased in saying this, but uh, Wyoming has the best events uh, and venues um, in terms of uh, uh, challenging. Every venue has its own challenge, right? Um, but, um, you know, I feel like I'm mostly challenged uh, at uh, the West Coast events just because of, again, the, the terrain. And um, my background and my roots of why I got into long range, um, you know, resonates with mainly the the venues you guys have out here right um and i'm glad you brought that up pete is is you know with with me being an instructor in this space one thing that you do see a lot of, of people aspiring to shoot long range i mean uh, I, I know it's for guys like us all five of us i mean shooting a thousand yards is, it is what it is but for someone that is a that is a huge accomplishment right like I remember uh, teaching a student that shot a thousand yards for the first time, like 
you know, I tell him, keep your face. And like, he shot it. He, I told him he impacted, he got off the gun and he called his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, honey, I, I just hit a thousand yards <laughs> because before that, you know, the furthest that he'd ever shot was 300 yards. So I, I think um, that's something that, you know, we take for granted for sure as, as uh, seasoned shooters. Um, but um, especially if, if you have the ability to shoot 11, 12, 1300 yards, a lot of these guys, you know, they don't know the capability of the rifle until they're, they're pushed to that limit. And hopefully it plants the bug of like, okay, um, I don't have good enough gear or like, okay, I need to really learn more about, and, and, and that's what drives the industry, right? That's what drives the sport to grow, um, is people contributing to the companies, right? Cause at the national level, again, most of the top shooters aren't giving back to the industry other than putting a logo on their Jersey, right? They're getting their match fees, their, their match, uh, um, discounted or match fees, uh, or taken care of by their sponsors. Right. So really the, the people that are giving back to the actual shooting sport are the local level shooters, because what are they doing? They're paying full price for everything right? They're not getting hookups. They're not getting discounts. They're paying full price MSRP for every single thing they buy. With that, I mean, I would tell you, you asked about your new shooters before and don't do what I did and not ask anybody and buy the wrong shit, like not once, but like three times before you figure it out. If you, you know, run what, uh, uh, run what you got and show up to one of these matches. And trust me, these guys all would love to tell you what you should buy. Like they will, they will tell you <laughs> what the best thing is. And um, don't figure it out on your own. I mean, if you want to try it out, it's show up, Facebook us, Facebook Pete, where everybody's on social media, you know, uh, start a conversation and um, don't buy something until if you're, you know, if you're not sure until you, you know, you talk to somebody and there's plenty of people that would talk to you or let you run their, their gun for a stage or whatever. Yeah. And I think probably even a bigger thing is, is uh, for the guys that are out there that are, you know, have been in it for a little while and kind of figured their gear out and whatnot to make sure you offer. Because, you know, we, we were all that new shooter at one point where we saw something that looked interesting. But, you know, it, it's it's kind of awkward to, to just walk up to some dude you don't know and say, hey, can I use your bag, dude? It needs to come from the other direction. You know, it needs to be that that um, experienced shooter watching a guy saying, well, he could he's he's got a Wolver stock full of rocks. And I know, you know <laughs> yeah, here, don't here's a game changer. Here, what's that? Don't use that. Don't, yeah, don't unfuck your life. Here's a, here's a bag. I get, I get phone calls from guys that I've never met. Uh, we had a guy, Aaron Fisher just uh, jumped in both feet and get off the phone. And my wife's like, you get more calls from random dudes wanting to talk about loads. than if I have to hear you tell some dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you. Call me up. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm the same way. I mean, I get, I get messages and I'm sure I know Philip does too. And Jesse, you probably do as well. The, the inbox is always full of guys asking questions about one thing or another. And that's fine. You know, that's how, that's what I did. You know, some of those guys, you know, that I ask questions to, um, you know, maybe aren't even shooting anymore. That's if we cycle through a, 
a generation of shooters in, in this already. Um, so we all, you know, we all started somewhere and now, now we're taking over that role. We're the guys that newer shooters are coming to. So make sure you make, you're available. What are the percentage of uh, hunters that you guys have um, in terms of uh, they're, they're, they're doing this because they just want to get, they want to become better hunters. I would say a high yeah. percentage of our shooters are, are hunters. I don't know that they make the correlation between improving the skill set and what they're doing is in the hunting world. I think it's two separate. It definitely correlates. I'm just not sure that's why they're doing it. I think it leads them into it. I think once some of those guys see what what can be done with a with a rifle, that that's kind of the hook. It's like, man, these guys can do some badass stuff. Um, do I need to do that to take my elk at 600 yards? No, don't like, you don't need any of this stuff to, to shoot the elk at 600. Like you can do it with far less gear, but once you start hitting steel at, and putting the second bullet on top of the first one and it goes farther and farther, I think that's where everybody gets hooked. And that hunting is, you know, that's that hunting thing is definitely going that way with, um, it's not you know, put it over his back anymore. Guys are finding out that's not how you do it. Like it can be done better. Therapeutic. Uh, long range is, is therapy. And, um, you know, I'm a, I'm the biggest advocate for, for long range because of that, you know, at modern Sniper, you guys probably hear our tagline of mindfulness behind the rifle. Um, and because really when you connect to that gun, like you, like you said, like there's no better feeling than working up a load and then fucking stacking three rounds on top of each other at hundred yards did that today. And I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, I did that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you just want to post about it. Right. And, and, and once it all like comes together and at the same time, it's frustrating, right? It's just like working on your vehicle, your car doesn't fucking start. And then, you know, you're thinking about it like, God damn, what's wrong with my truck? Same thing with a load. But then once you figure it out, it's like, holy shit. It's like, and then not only we figure it out a hundred yards, but then take it out to distance. Like one thing leads to another. And that's one thing that I enjoy. And I think you guys have it right where you guys are building that community of inviting all these new shooters in and, and being mentors to newer shooters that, that don't, because remember long range for a lot of these guys is like only, only snipers could do long range, right? That was a, that was the understanding that I had 14 years ago when I joined the, the sniper community is like long range was only, you know, only the people that should be doing long range or are military snipers. Mm -hmm. Right. That's not the case anymore. I mean, fucking, you got so many YouTube channels now that just give you the basics of, of long range, how to get your dope and stuff like that. Um, and I think there's no better way to learn than going to a local match and getting a guy that is experienced versus the guy that's on fucking Facebook regurgitating shit that they've read or that they have never ever done themselves. <laughs> I fucking absolutely hate that. Like all of my, all of my like reloading advice, all the other stuff is from an actual person that has done it versus what I've read online. And, and, and I get the question asked all the time, like, Hey, do you have any good resources um, in terms of like books or like reloading um, or, or what you recommend for like being able to learn long range? And like, as stupid as it sounds, I tell them like, Dude, try to find a local match and find a mentor because all like I, I can't I can't tell them a book because I've never read a book about long range shooting. I've learned everything that I, I know about it from hobbyists, let's be honest. Um, and that hobbyist came from the local level that you guys are are building right now. 
And that's why I appreciate it. And that's why I, I love talking about this stuff because it's important. There's definitely that, that, that tradition of knowledge that goes with this, this sport, right? I mean, it, 99% of it is passed on. There is no, you know, early on the lits books were recommended, but you know, that doesn't, that that's a huge resource for ballistics, but it doesn't teach you the shooting side of it. You know, there was, and, and truthfully it's a, you know, how do you play basketball? Do you read a book or do you get on a team and play basketball and, you know, learn how it goes and get yelled at and, and figure it out. Right. I mean, that's, you know, nobody handed you a book that said, here's, you know, here, here's step one through 18 on how to play basketball. Not only did you bring up a fantastic point, but I just noticed that you changed your name to Bam. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was looking at your facial expression as I was making that statement thinking, well, this, I didn't really feel that this was as funny as you did, but okay. I'm always in for a good laugh. Uh, that was good. Um, there's a story behind that actually. Um, maybe, maybe we've talked about this. So, um, if you have Horizon and you drink, I wouldn't recommend logging into your account and changing the nicknames on your devices because in the event that someone doesn't have your number saved and Verizon caller ID is what populates their system, whatever you put in there while you were drunk editing will come up as your caller ID. First time Pete calls me, I didn't have his number. I'm like, I look at my phone. I'm like, I got to answer this shit. Because <laughs> yeah, that's what it said. And it's Pete. <laughs> it said, it said, it took me a long time. Yeah. Right on, right on my phone. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> i have occasionally changed it to the old mama as well nice I, I go back to what you were saying phil about though um the book thing or the get like like you said get get your information you need but um get off the hide and get off the loading bench or the or the you know get, get you just got to go to the match you just got if you yeah. want to go like your load is good enough. And, yeah. um, is it a, is it a G, is it a G seven, a two seventy five or two seventy six? It doesn't matter. Just come on out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Like don't, yeah. don't get caught up in the details because you'll shoot your barrel out trying to get it perfect. And it doesn't need to be just come shoot. There's that, that correlation between you, know, you. You don't know what you don't know. So you don't really know what to focus on. You could spend years committing every single detail to memory, you know, only to find out that once you actually get behind the gun and spend some time there, that seven tenths of that was white noise and you don't even need to know it. Yep. You know, it doesn't help put, it doesn't help you put rounds on target. You know? All right, guys. Well, we're about an hour and a half. You guys got any save rounds? I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to save rounds. Saved rounds. I, th I feel like Luke's got at least one save around him. No, I don't. Jesse's smiling. Luke's smiling. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> what, what, uh, what does... Are you guys uh, adding what, matches for next year? Yeah, what's the, what's the match schedule look like for next year? If you guys have a, roughly how many matches, what venues, what, what, what areas can these guys be looking forward to hitting up and then how to, how to, how to contact or just look you guys up in general. So we'll start with... Uh, uh, um, uh, Wyco PRL. 
Go ahead, Jesse. Uh, so right now we just have our four matches in Cheyenne, Laramie, um, Pawnee Grasslands, which is east of uh, Fort Collins, Loveland area, and then Colorado Springs. Uh, the easiest way is to go to wicoprl.com. You can email me or Luke. It's either Jesse or Luke at wicoprl.com. Um, I think that's it. Anything else to add, Luke? Uh, we, we started in April and we ended in October this year for this season. We're going to revisit that. Um, don't know if that works the best or not, but roughly we try to shoot when the weather's good, um, maybe slow it down before hunting season starts next year. But um, yeah, four venues, front range area, the I-25 corridor, um, anywhere within three hours of, of Denver. And you, you're not that far from one of our matches. WPR. We're, uh, I think we're up to eight venues this year. We've got Sheridan, Townsend, Cody, Butte, Popular, Poplar, Montana, Jordan, Montana, uh, Ronan, Montana. There's a North Dakota match in here somewhere. I'm looking for Medora. To... Medora, thank you. We're looking at adding uh, Willis to North Dakota next year as well. And I know... Chris has talked to you guys as well about Green River running those as like a dual affiliated. Um, he's talking about running five or six down there as well. So, um, I mean, you know, we're in on that. If you guys are, I, we've talked about, well, Luke, you and I talked about it too, but I mean, I, as far as running matches, since we've adopted similar scoring systems and similar class structure, um, having matches that are affiliated with multiple leagues does nothing but um, cater to more shooters, especially some of these, these venues that are kind of um, in an area where they're, they're accessible to people from both leagues. You go break the internet talking like that, Pete. I know. Crazy. I know. I, I'm getting, I'm sure I'm getting a nasty email as we speak. But a nasty gram. I'm getting a nasty gram. It's like, you know, you keep talking like that. You're going to get drug tested. <laughs> So anyway, but how to, so how, to, how, to, how, to uh, how to contact uh, WPR? Uh, the website is westernprecisionrifle.org. Um, Western Precision Rifle on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, a lot the of website's on the back of every bro dozer in the state of Wyoming and Montana. <laughs> bro dozer. <laughs> we, also, we also got, if you see a WPR shirt, and you see that QR code on the left sleeve, just scan that shit. It'll take you right to the website. Nice. Yeah. Um, Damn, you guys got modern. You guys got hit real quick. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't know what a QR code was before I started this <laughs> season. You, <laughs> <laughs> you want to do a what? A QR? What? Jesus. Yeah. So. That's awesome. Um, but it, it, it's helped out. And Luke. Luke and I actually, we were talking about swag the other night. This is kind of a funny story. He's like, so how do you go about, I mean, how's the swag thing go for you? And it took me a minute to, to work around to it, but you know what the most effective way to sell swag is? Take the whole box that you have and give it to a nine-year-old at a match and tell her not to come back until she sold 600 bucks worth. And it works. Because people will buy anything from a kid. Yep, agreed. Yeah. You can't say no to a kid. 
you just no, you feel like a, you so feel like a fucking you piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, I'll buy 14 pounds of popcorn. Sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got a I've got a stash of fucking Girl Scout cookies just because of that. <laughs> have you got any? You got any of those Samoans? Samoans? <laughs> if 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 only they were selling fucking H4350 and some primers. Yeah, I know, right? Oh shit! Well, yeah, cool buy. guys. <laughs> Uh, this oh, yeah. has been this has been awesome. Uh, I definitely appreciate you guys uh, uh, taking the time and, and coming on here. Um, and again, um, I because I know where I started from, and that's super important. You know, one of the things that I, I, I love is, is not forgetting where I came from. Uh, I think what you guys are doing are, is great. Um, you know, two of the mentors that I talk about a lot on my podcast. There's. Uh, James Jeffries and Solomon Monansala, they're, they were both national level competitors, but they grew that local level, uh, SoCal precision. And that's what you guys remind me of at, at, uh, at the, at the Wyoming level. And, um, you know, eventually you're going to have people seed into, like you said, uh, Luke, uh, the national level where they're representing, you know, your club and in, in Wyoming at the, at the national level. Um, so I know a lot of shooters appreciate what you guys are doing. And uh, I, I wish you guys nothing but the best of luck for next season and uh, more more seasons to come. Appreciate you having us, Philip. Yeah, thank you. So, guys, uh, take a look at them if you guys are in the area. And again, if you guys, I mean, it doesn't even have to be Wyoming, but check out your local level uh, matches. Just um, you know, hit up. Um, and, and this is we just told you not to fucking hit up the hide, but hit up the cyber side. Uh, maybe hit up a, a big organization, but usually typically uh, at your local level, because the sport is so popular, there will be within a three to four hour driving range, um, uh, a, a club like this. And hopefully in a few years after you guys stand tall with your guys's um, format, uh, like you said, uh, other organizations pop up as well. Um, so uh, thanks for listening guys. And you guys know the drill, keep your face on the gun.